You're listening to the Candid Comms podcast with Rachel Miller. Tune in for practical advice and inspirational ideas to help you focus on all things internal communication related. Hello and welcome to the show. On today's episode, I have a special guest with me who is my colleague at All Things I See, Caroline. And she is with me today because we are focusing on how to work successfully with a consultancy or agency. And as ever, you will leave with one thing to know, one thing to do and one thing to think about. Now, there's going to be definitely more than one in this episode. Do grab a notebook. Are you ready? Let's get started. Caroline, welcome to the Candid Comms podcast. Hello, I am very excited to be here, Rachel. Um, obviously, I've got that privilege of being on the inside track of Candid Comms, working with you and the team, but I've never been on a podcast in my life. So this is a big step for me, and I'm very excited that my first podcast is Candid Comms. So thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. Caroline, can you introduce yourself, give us your full name, give us your title um, and perhaps a potted history of your internal comms career? Yeah, of course. So um, I am Caroline Corbin King and I work with Rachel and the team at All Things I See. My role at All Things I See is twofold. So I'm a consultant working directly with clients and I'm also really lucky because I'm usually the first person that potential clients get to speak to. So I help people unburden their souls, talk about the problems and challenges that they face and then help them develop solutions. So it's a really lovely sort of two-sided role. Um, in terms of my history, until a few years ago, I'd always worked in-house. Um, so often I feel when people are talking to me about the issues they face, I can often put myself back in their shoes from different points in my career. I used to lead um, a comms team in a large organisation, so I looked after all aspects of comms, including internal comms, but it was always employee communications that I was the most passionate about and used to fight the corner saying, you know, if staff aren't happy and informed and engaged, then what happens on the outside won't fit in. And how fortuitous that I work with you, Rachel, with our lovely saying, what happens on the inside is reflected outside, because I really do believe the strongest brands and organisations are formed from the inside out. Absolutely. And you do really have people unburden their souls to you, don't you? I know that when people get in touch, it's often because they're stuck and they're just getting in touch to say, help, help. We're not quite sure what I need. <laughs> so the intention for our discussion today is kind of lift the lid a little bit on what it's like to work with a consultancy. And it's based on our experience, both from our in-house careers and working as consultants now. So the purpose of today is to really help our comms friends set themselves up for success when you're working with a consultancy. So, Cameron, let's kick off. What do you think internal communicators need to know before you contact an internal comms consultancy? And you, I'm going to use the word consultancy here. You might use agency. Our preference is consultancy. So however you refer to people who are on the outside who support you, we're going to stick with a consultancy. So what do internal communicators need to know before contacting people like us? Okay, thank you. Okay, so I think the first thing to think about is actually why do you want the support? So before you reach out, it's probably worth thinking, is it because you are asking for some knowledge or skills that are specialist or just outside of your own level of experience? 
Is it because you have an idea of what you want to do, but you actually want to validate your approach? And, and that is perfectly fine. Often people come to organisations like ours because they want to run an idea past someone that they think will be able to help or sometimes for a confidence boost, to be frank. Um, do you actually just need inspiration and ideas? You know, comms is such a busy, busy working environment. And actually, I think time for thinking and planning and you know notebooks and sharpies and all the things that we love you know if you look at your working week wouldn't it be great to spend every Friday morning with a blank sheet of paper creating but the reality is somewhat different so sometimes working with a, a consultancy can give you that space in, in a legitimate way to say that's what we're looking at is it because you actually need a safe space to offload and share and I think you know lots of practitioners they have their team or their manager, but often in comms, the, those, the, the manager particularly, they might not be comms people. And that's something that we definitely hear a lot. I've got a great boss, but they don't actually understand comms. So there's only so much I can share with them. So sometimes it's almost that, that ear and that sounding board that you might want. Is it because you want to learn? And obviously, I mentioned confidence before. So I think even if you're not quite sure what you're asking for, thinking about that as a starting point, I think, can be really useful. Marvellous. Thank you. And it could be any or all of those reasons, couldn't it, that, that people get in touch? And there's never a one size fits all approach to internal comms and particularly for consultancy. People come to us in when they're stressed, when they're overwhelmed, when they're curious, when they need that confidence boost. I think that's such a, an amazing privilege that from our perspective that we can support people and guide them and set them up for success. I think it's important that it's okay if you're not sure yeah. what you need. I think so many times you and I have conversations where people have got in touch and they say, I know I want to work with you and I'm not quite sure what I need. Yeah. What do you recommend? So Thinking about that, what do internal communicators need to bear in mind, do you think, when they get in touch with consultancies? Yeah, I think you're dead right. It is absolutely fine to say, I actually want to spend this half an hour consultancy call sharing some ideas, telling you what's going on, and you can help me work out what I need. And you know what? I love those type of conversations. So if you don't know what you want, that is absolutely okay too. But in terms of how to get the best out of those initial sort of conversations and set a relationship up for success, there are probably some tips that I'd like to share. And they've certainly been developed in my mind quite clearly from working with lots of clients as a consultant over the past few years. I think it's really important to remember, actually, that an agency or a consultancy, they aren't just colleagues like the person down the corridor or someone in your team that's at the other end of a team's call. So I think I would say respecting the time of, of an agency or a consultancy is really, really important. Actually, if they offer free time for consultations, brilliant, absolutely take it. And they will be so happy to spend time with you. I know I always look forward to initial conversations, but actually, I think when we get to the nuts and bolts of how we might support someone, I always try and navigate clients around how to use time effectively. So if they choose to invest time and money, actually, they're getting good value for it. I think it keeping suppliers and agencies and consultants informed is really important. You don't know the ins and outs of that business. And you might say, well, actually, I think I want to do a 10 day project with you about X and you think brilliant and both sides are thinking 
great. I can't wait to get started. But then actually something changes and doesn't it always change in the world of communication? Always. Yeah. always. <laughs> we work in such a dynamic environment. And actually, you know what? We certainly understand that. I know all things I see, we've all worked in-house for a long, long time. So we absolutely get that the plan that you had on a Thursday morning when you were talking to people like us, you know, half an hour later, something significant can happen and your complete thought process is diverted and that's okay. So I think it's important to just keep keep people like us in the loop and say, you know what, something's happened, but I'll be back in touch in about a week's time and we can chat about the, the idea. And we love being kept informed. You don't have to tell us what's happened because that's frankly not our business. But I think it's really important to respect the time of organisations because actually if you don't, you could be stopping them working with somebody else. Or if you've invested time, you could be wasting some of the time that you've paid for by cancelling appointments or meetings at the very last minute. So I, I would say just thinking, actually, this isn't just a normal colleague who also you shouldn't be letting down at the last minute. This is actually a paid for resource. And actually, I want to work in an ethical open way with them and build a really strong relationship. So I think in terms of need to know, just think they're not quite the same as an employed contactor gets paid whether you turn up at the call or not and actually is probably thrilled to get an hour back in their diary but but it's a different type of relationship so I'd urge you to sort of think that through in advance. Brilliant thank you so much what a long list there it's really really helpful hopefully that's given you some ideas and sparks and thoughts in terms of what you need to know before getting in touch with a consultancy. So let's move on to think about what you need to do. So the way to phrase it in my mind is what can internal communicators do to make working with a consultancy really easy? What would your advice be, Caroline, based on all of your experience in-house and now on the front line of our consultancy really being <laughs> that very first person that people interact with? How do we make it easy? Okay, well, you know what? I've got a list, but the, I would sum it up in one sentence and then I'll elaborate. You need to be the stakeholder that you wished you had. I always find it funny when people say, no one tells me anything. I'm not involved at the right time. Everyone plans in a really last minute way. And, and, and those things that are oh so familiar to communicators but then they do exactly the same and you think, and you know what, that's okay. But it's having that self-awareness and thinking, okay, if I could say to a stakeholder, this is how I want you to do business with me and work with me, what would it be? So this is my list and you guys can compare whether you think it's similar to what your list would be. So I think initially planning, certainly working with a third party, it's fine to say, We've got, you know, we've suddenly had this idea or we suddenly need support, but actually the right organisation might not be available. You know, most successful organisations are planning their resources several months in advance and, and particularly for really long projects, actually they're unlikely to be free two weeks time. So actually, if you can plan in advance and even it's on your radar, you know it's happening in the summer and you make that contact and start forming that relationship really early, that's better than contacting someone two weeks before you're ready to go. So I think planning is important. And I think the second one is thinking time. So certainly I love these initial calls with clients and I do research in advance. I, I sort of really 
really read between the lines of what people say and anything they share afterwards. You know, I read I read documents and links and try and sort of form a bigger picture so you, you understand exactly what you're trying to achieve, what's the purpose, what's the benefit, what can you do for yourself, what do you absolutely need that organisation to do for you. So don't ever feel like it's an indulgence pop in half an hour or an hour in your diary for thinking and planning time. It's for me a fundamental bedrock of a successful project is, is investing that time up front. I feel that we hear that so much, don't we? When we're encouraging people to work on, not in their work as internal communicators, which is a conversation you and I have constantly <laughs> with clients and, and for ourselves as well. It's you're right, it's putting that time in your diary to think, how can I prioritise that time and not see it as a luxury or a nice to have, but actually give myself the space and time I need to plan well and, and think well. I think that's really, really good advice. Okay, so we've got planning, thinking, what else do we need to do? Next one is budget. Now, I, I realise this can be tricky. Sometimes you might be the person asking for help, but you might not be the decision maker. You might not be the budget holder. So we know it's absolutely not realistic to say, don't bother getting in touch until you've got an idea of budget. However, I think in my experience, I always end consultation calls saying, do you have an idea or are there limits within your organisation? Some organisations have procurement limits and it's definitely worth getting tuned into those before you get in touch because in some it might be if you spend more than £5,000 or £10,000, it triggers a whole load of other internal rules. And if you know that in advance, things can be structured in a way where you can sort of work effectively and quickly through those guidelines. But I know sometimes clients say, I have no idea of a budget. I've literally never thought about it. And then you send them a proposal and suddenly a budget appears and you think, actually, well, that's OK, because maybe you just wanted to see what options were available. But actually, almost in all cases, we are able to think, well, OK, you want X, your budget is Y. There's always a way that we will be able to support you, even if it's not exactly in the way that was in your head when you made contact. So I just think it makes for a more fruitful conversation and makes it easier to form solutions if you have an idea of budget. So the fourth step is decision making. I think it's always really useful for a consultancy to know who is going to be making the decision and what is the decision making process. So you might get in touch and be fact finding again no problem with that. And you might say, I'm speaking to my boss next week. Thank you for your proposal to support me through one-to-one -one mentoring. I'm speaking to them next week, but it'd be really useful if you could include X, Y points in your proposal, because that'll help them make a decision. Say that if that's the case. I love it when clients say, my boss is going to be looking out for this. So can you really make it easy for them to have the information to help them make a decision, whether it's a yes or a no? So I think being clear on those decision making processes and who's involved is useful because that actually manages your own expectations. If you're keen to get going, but a decision has to go through a management team or even a board or other governance structures, the decision is unlikely to be quick and you're unlikely to get started in the next few weeks. So it's useful for you to know and also for the supplier to know. So the fifth step, and this is the one that I feel so, so passionate about. I'm passionate about them all, but this one is probably the easiest to do, but often is the one that people forget to do. And it's so, so frustrating. Give feedback. Don't feel bad if your answer is no. It might be no, never. 
not for now, not sure when I'm going to be able to give you an answer. But actually, we really appreciate being told we'd love to work with you. We're unable to work with you or, you know, this isn't the right time or whatever it might be. Always feedback a decision. And I guess that goes back to the point I made earlier about respecting the time. If someone's putting quite a lot of time doing some groundwork, spent time to listen to you, understand, start creating potential approaches and solutions, work out prices and package it up in a nice way. The least someone can do is say, thank you for doing that. I appreciate the time you've taken. Unfortunately, this time we're unable to move forward. And that's always going to be fine. But it is frustrating when people don't keep you updated. And I think because we've all been on the other side, we've all been in-house and we all have, for whatever reason, budget suddenly a cut or priorities shift or a leader changes their mind. And you have to tell that external third party, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to go ahead. And you're right. It, it's better to communicate. We are all communicators. That's what that's what we do. So it is you're right it is about respecting time isn't it and it and it is okay to say no I'm really sorry or if need to apologize just communicate to say it's not happening and then everyone can move forward and you don't get that chase I mean we we're not the chasing type we do follow up with people and we because we need to know as you said we need to plan our time and and our resourcing as a team so yeah feedback I'm with you 100% on that one (laughs) And then the next one, the final one, and I could probably come up with 20 more, but I think these are the most important ones. The final one is do what you say you will. So if you agree to move ahead, often the first step is is you providing information or, you know, turning up to a call to sort of start a project off. Please turn up to that call. Please provide the information that you say you will. I think sometimes when people agree to go ahead, they're so relieved that this project is going to happen or they're so triumphant that they've secured the budget or got someone to make a positive decision. That's definitely reason to celebrate. But actually, if you've said you're going to provide something by a particular date or in a particular format, please do your best to do that because actually a consultancy will have blocked out specific chunks of time to work on your project so actually if you don't do what you say you will that might affect your project and delay it which is we know affects you but actually it can impact on other clients too which isn't fair so you know I think that's the final one there's 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 definitely a two-way a consultancy will do a lot for you but there's certain things you need to do to be that brilliant person to work with that stakeholder that as like I said before that you wish you had that's excellent advice thank you it's helping I think you get out what you put in don't you as well in as in most things in life but I think particularly for that relationship couldn't agree more brilliant Caroline thank you we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to leave you with some things to think about see you in a moment you like to learn more about internal communication and would you like to study it at your own pace if so i've got the answer head over to the all things i see online masterclasses there is a whole range of courses for you to choose from from how to be an internal communicator to how to write an internal communication strategy how to write a 90-day plan how to be a strategic internal communicator, and even how to be a comms consultant. And because you are a listener of the Candid Comms podcast, you can save 10%. So head over to allthingsic.thinkific.com to explore all the options that are available to you 
And don't forget to use the code CANDIDCOMS at the checkout to remove 10%. And I hope to see you inside one of those masterclasses very soon. Welcome back. In the final part of today's episode, Caroline and I are going to be thinking about what a good experience should feel like with a consultancy. So Caroline, I'm going to hand over to you and turn that question to you But in terms of something we need to think about. So what should a great experience feel like, do you think? What do we need to think about? Okay, thank you. Okay, so I, I will answer this question with my all things I see hat on to some extent, because I think the way we do things is is unique to all things I see. So no one's experience will be exactly the same, but there are some sort of key points in this section that I will that I will pull out that should be common regardless of the organization that you work with and the type of organization they are. So at all things I see, nurturing um, and looking after people and making people feel listened to from the first conversation is so important to us. And they sound like words and phrases that most organizations would use and many do but we absolutely think about the client experience and how what the aftertaste is so I always think if someone has got in touch with us and spent some time with me and we've created a proposal even if we don't end up working together for whatever reason I would love them to think that was a really positive experience I had speaking to all things I see they took time they took care etc so we certainly think about what do people how do people feel afterwards but actually, here's some sort of thoughts for you to think about with any supplier relationship, actually. So were you treated as an individual? For me, another one that I'm really passionate about. I know we've all um, worked with different organisations and had sales pitches in the past. And Rachel said before, we're not a salesy organisation and we pride ourselves on not being. And it's OK if you are, but don't come to all things I see if you want that <laughs> real hard sell because mm. you won't get it from us. But actually it's really important were you treated like an individual or were you given the standard sales spiel that anyone that gets in touch gets and I think it's quite easy to spot those really generic sentences or documents that you get Sometimes there's a time and a place for those things, but we like someone to contact us and feel appreciated for being that practitioner in that organisation with that particular problem. So I think it's how were you made to feel and, you know, what was that sort of personalised approach? The second one, and again, it builds on this, was time factored in for you to be listened to and your issues understood? You know, most organisations have a sort of consultation process built in or most organizations of our type and that's great and there's always normally a finite amount of time for a free call so 15 minutes 20 minutes half an hour or whatever and I'm not going to judge people based on the length of time they give for that but regardless of the time did they listen did they try and understand? Did they help you join the dots? Because often, like Rachel said before, when you reach out, it's not always crystal clear in your mind. And you are actually reaching out for someone who's used to helping people to pull those disparate threads together and say, you've said this, but what I'm hearing is that. And, and often they say, yeah. That's that's the sentence that I just couldn't come up with, but you've nailed it. That and, and actually that's part of the process. So that's important. And then the next one is, were you involved in creating solutions or were you told either pick from a pre-selected list of 
services and products or actually you know this is what you can have and that's that's the what it looks like that's what it costs take it or leave it again you know we pride ourselves on that more bespoke approach which means we actually invest quite a lot of time up front for free for clients but that's because we want to make sure that we really understand a are we the right organization to help sometimes we're not and we we can only find that out when we get beneath that sort of surface so are we the right organization and actually what are the different options available to you and often we present different options and we do that with the client and we really try and collaborate and say we suggest doing it in this way but will that work in your organization and sometimes they say that bit will but this bit it sounds like a great idea but it won't work in because of our structure our culture or whatever so you know we're given sort of scope to explain your own circumstances and be part of the solution because I think that's important because you know you should be owning the solution and then finally were you clear how much the support will cost and exactly what you're going to get for any money that you invest so you know I'd be saying look for a really clear set of deliverables how many calls if you're getting a report how long is it going to be what sort of things are going to be in it are you going to get copies of slides whatever you your wish list is note that down if you've got non-negotiables but I think it needs to be really clear what are you paying for what can you expect when can you expect it and there's that real transparency so for me I would think about all those points and you might have an organization that makes you feel really special and does give you that bespoke approach but then their pricing is so woolly and hard to understand that you think I like the sound of you I think you'd be good to work with but I've no idea how much this is actually going to cost. So, you know, different parts of those points are going to be more or less important to you. But I would urge you to think about all of them. Marvellous. Thank you so much. I imagine people have got notebooks full of notes <laughs> from, from this conversation. I think that clarity on pricing is, is so important. At all things I see, we have statements of work, which is a methodology that I've borrowed from my husband who works in IT, because that's how IT projects are scoped out. What's the project? What's the price? What's the investment? What are the assumptions? What's the conclusions? All that language set. That's how we work because we try to map it all out. So it's really easy, as you say, to think, right, this is the investment. This is what I'm going to get for my investment. And this is what is going to happen next. That really clear process. Marvellous. Thank you. Caroline, anything else that you think is important for people to be aware of before we wrap our conversation up together today? Yeah, the final point I would leave you with, and this might not cut it with your decision makers, but there's definitely such an important dollop of rapport and fit that's involved in a good consultancy client relationship. It's like any relationship, friendship or any any sort of work relationship. You hit it off with some people and you don't with others. And I think sometimes you can get a really strong instinctive feeling that this organisation, they are going to get what I want. All the other things still have to line up. So the price, the investment, the deliverables and all those, I suppose, more formal things that I've spoken about. But if you have two or three organisations that are broadly on paper offering, a, you know, a, something that you, you want to invest in and you're clear about and you can get it through your decision making processes and it's going to hit your objectives. 
I would urge you to think about how does it feel? How do they make me feel? Are they going to be easy to work with? And I think following your instincts with those things can be really, really important. So it's not scientific, but I, I do really believe in, in fit and rapport. I think that's that extra magic ingredient of a really successful client consultancy relationship. Brilliant. I couldn't agree more with that. Absolutely. I'm nodding, <laughs> nodding away as, you, as you're talking there. Caroline, thank you so much for joining me on thank Candid you. Comms today. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation together. And hopefully, I'm sure that it's been useful for people to set you up for success for your future relationships with comms consultancies or agencies. As ever, I love hearing from you. Let me know what you're taking away from this episode and where you were listening to this episode of the Candid Comms podcast. You can find me on Twitter at all things I see. Look me up on LinkedIn, Rachel Miller. Find me on Instagram, Rachel All Things I See. Or why not get in touch with Caroline and I at allthingsic.com forward slash contact. And remember, what happens inside is reflected outside. See you again soon.